gospel. We've been talking about how do we as individuals take what we know that God says we're supposed to be like and the actions we're supposed to carry out. And how do we live that outside of the four walls of the church? Amen. How do we live that so that people who do not know our heavenly father will get to see him in us before maybe they even get introduced to him? Yes. And we actually started last week and you read this quote uh, last week where you said we were talking and I said that most people are going to run into someone who claims to represent Jesus Christ before they actually meet Christ. Therefore, it is extremely important that those of us who represent him or claim to represent him, that we actually live out the gospel so that people get a true representation of who God really is. That's fast. That their first representation of God isn't someone who's mean, isn't someone who's short-sighted, isn't someone who's vindictive in someone who's messy and gossipy, that we want to live out a life that would be pleasing, that would make someone say, oh my goodness, why do you live like that? So that we get an opportunity to testify about our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And so many people, I don't know if you saw it, but so many people took that quote and put it on their Facebook page. And so many people took that quote and said that really made them think mm. that many times we are going to be someone's first encounter mm -hmm. with Christ. Mm -hmm. That when people are saying that they were church hurt, they're not Christ hurt, but they think they are. Right. But they think they're Christ right. hurt, right? right? When someone has, when someone works with a coworker that's supposed to be a believer yep. and they don't carry their part or they lack integrity that gets attributed Indeed. to Christ. Indeed. And so I think it was just such a powerful quote that you made that we need to keep before us, that if we're going to be the first introduction to Christ, we want to represent him Absolutely. well. Absolutely. And so then we got into the idea of, well, what is the gospel? What is the gospel message? And one of the things we said was that the gospel really is the good news. Yes. In some cases, it's the too good to be true good news, right? The good news is that Literally, we were born into sin and that no amount of good that we did was ever going to get us out of that sin. Mm. That it didn't matter how perfectly we kept the law, if we could, it was never going to be enough. And the good news is, is that God, because he so loved us, sent his son Jesus, who so loved us that he went to the cross and died for us and took every sin, past, present and future upon him. So that we could be standing before the father blameless through him, through shed his blood for us. He was he became our blood sacrifice. Wow. And then as a result of that, then, of course, we know the story that says, that you know, he went uh, to hell and triumphed over them and then came back and took the captives free and gave those keys of victory to all of us so that we can now become representatives of him in delivering this gospel message to other people who don't know it so they too can be, accept the freedom that's been made available to them. That's so good. And we said that's what the gospel message was. Uh, we spent some time in Ephesians 4. Uh, won't necessarily do all of that today, but what it did is it got us into talking about, okay, what are the things we have to do in order to live this gospel? And I think the first one we got through was this idea of exhibiting godly character. And, and you talked about that and you said that the ability to discern God's uh, the ability to discern God's right and wrong. I believe. Let me go back to my notes with how, exactly how you said this. So I don't paraphrase it. You said that the ability to discern God's right way from wrong and to voluntarily. That's what you said. Voluntarily surrender our will 
to do what is right in God's sight and with the promised supernatural help that he'll give us to do that, to resist the wrong, even under pressure and temptation. Yes. And I love that because, man, pressure and temptation is going to come. If you tell someone that they're going to be born again and they're not going to face pressure and they're not going to face temptation, you are setting them up for failure. You are absolutely setting them up for failure. Because you're going to have pressure and temptation. But I love that you said we voluntarily surrender knowing that we're going to get that supernatural help. That's when the supernatural help comes, when we voluntarily surrender our will and what is right in God's sight. Not what's right in a society's sight, not what's right in our sight, but what is right in God's sight. And when we do that, that is what we need. That, that is what exhibiting godly character is like. And then we talked about some of the things that that entails exhibiting godly character. Right. And one of the things we said is that you have to hate evil and, and love, love God good. and love good. You have to hate evil. And, and love, love good. good. You have to hate evil, love but, good. But you know what? Hate evil and love God because only that's God true. is good. That's, that's what Jesus said. Yeah, yeah. Jesus said only yeah. God is good. And that's what I kept saying in my mind. Hate evil, love God. But you, it's just, yeah. Hate evil, love good. Hate evil, love God. Yeah. But the way, but I love, I love because I noticed that you did that did last, last week. week. I did. But I love that because the truth of it is, is that there may be things that we think are, are good, good but not they good. are not God. Yeah. yeah. And when the rich young ruler came to Jesus yep. and called him good, yep. he says, why calleth thou me good? Yep. There is no, no one good, good but God. God. Basically, he was trying to see if the rich young ruler really yep. knew he was God. Yeah. Because and so we have to make a decision that is born again believers. We hate evil. Mm -hmm. Put this in the comments, guys. We don't hate people. No, we never hate no. people. No. But we can never allow our love for people to make us hate God. Absolutely. And what does that mean? That we begin to hate his standards. Mm -hmm. We begin to bow down on his standards. We begin to say that his standards don't matter, that they're outdated, that they're not culturally appropriate. We love God, so we hate evil. Amen. And so we said that's 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 one of the first steps to exhibiting yes. this godly character. The second thing we said that needs to be present is that we have to pay attention to, to the, the company, company we that keep. we keep. We have to pay attention to the company that we keep because we know that the Bible says a little leaven levieth the whole cake. In other words, a little yeast will make an entire cake rise. It says you got to pay attention to the company that you keep. First Corinthians 15 and 3 in the NIV says, do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. Bad company corrupts good character. So you have to make sure that you're not surrounding yourself with people who are pulling you, what I call, to the dark side. To the dark side. <laughs> people who are pulling you away from living the Christ-like life. Find you people who have the same mission, the same vision, the same goal, the same core values, that they want to please God. Find people who want to do step one. Hate evil and love God. Find you some people who are who are in sync with you in that area because we're all going to need good people in our life to help keep us on the right path. Pastor Tony, when you were talking on uh, Monday and y'all were doing healing school, even Friday. though uh, with Friday, Friday, when you were doing healing school, uh, even though he, he didn't say it, even though it was doing healing school, one of the things he kept saying was God didn't call us to live on an island. He didn't did call us to live by ourselves. So you need so people are like, well, I don't need nobody. Yes, you do. You do. God did not call us to do life alone, but he also didn't call us to have uh friends that feel the gamut. 
You know, I got my good friends who love God and I got my friends who don't care nothing about God. He didn't he didn't call us for that. You know, we say all the time and we've been saying it for weeks. Jesus didn't hang out with sinners. Sinners hung out with Jesus and then they stopped being sinners. And that's what we need to do. We need to be the kind of people who, you know, listen, you can't be real, real close to me if you don't have a discernment for the things of God. If you don't care, if about, you the don't care about the things of God, it doesn't we can't mean, be close. It doesn't mean I wouldn't pray for you. It don't mean I won't try to teach you it, and help you. And I think one of the biggest mistakes that a lot of believers make is they befriend people they should be discipling. Mm -hmm. And so when really that relationship is for you to help them transition, you begin to take them in to your counsel. Mm -hmm. You should only be giving them counsel. Mm -hmm. You should not be receiving counsel from them. But then you start asking them what they think. But they don't have a renewed mind. They don't have an interest in the thing. It's just like this. You and I, we worked really hard to have a good marriage, right? What we're never going to do is sit down with a couple that has a raggedy marriage and ask them for advice. We don't need their advice. They don't have any advice to offer us. They have not demonstrated that they have any commitment to living out a godly marriage. And some of you, you get pulled in because in your attempt to help people, in your attempt to seem relevant, you start trying to make an exchange with people you should only be sowing into. I love how you said that, that we befriend people that we ought to be discipling. We befriend people that we ought to be discipling. Got to pay attention to the company that we keep. Amen. Yes. And then the third thing we said is you have to develop perseverance, right? You got to be a person who can go through something. Uh, you know, one of the things Dr. Hilliard always talks about is strength to endure until change comes. You got to be a person who can endure whatever is coming your way until the change you're believing for comes. That's why I like when we first was talking about this definition of exhibiting godly character that you talked about resisting wrong, even under pressure and temptation. There are times that the enemy will present opportunities for us to disregard God's word in order to relieve pressure. And we have to be strong enough not to be like, well, oh, my God, I've been I've been I've been broke for so long. I might as well go ahead and do this illegal thing this one time so I can relieve the pressure of being broke. No, I'm going if if being broke is what I need to do in order to obey God. I'm going to stay here until God delivers me. I'm not looking for I'm not looking for a way of escape. Does that make sense? I'm not looking for an easy way out. And so many times for so many people, the, the enemy wears you out with two things, time and pressure. He wears you out with time and pressure. And as a result, he gets you to then do something outside of your character in order to relieve the pressure. And what we've got to do, we got to understand if I'm going to develop godly character, I got to develop some stick to itness. I got to have some press, some 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 perseverance. Right. Uh, Romans five, three through four says, and not only that, but we also glory in tribulations. In other words, we don't we don't faint. When, when things come our way, we, 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 we stand up in them knowing that those tribulations, what they're doing is producing a stick to itness in us. What I'm going through today is only making me stronger for tomorrow and that it, it develops perseverance in me. It develops character in me and that character then develops hope. So now once I've gone through something one time, when something else presents itself to me the second time, I'm like, wait, the same God. That got me out of that situation I was in last time. And I didn't think I could go through when I was tempted to quit and I stayed with God and God showed me how it turned out. I'm going to stick with God this time. You know what, though? We've been we used to talk about this all the time, particularly around giving. The reason most people do not ever step into the realm 
of experiencing consistent supernatural provision yep. is because when financial pressure comes, they don't persevere. They do whatever they can to relieve that pressure. So they say, I'll take the time yep. this time. I won't sow the seed this time. <clears throat> yep. And here's the challenge, which is why you have to develop perseverance. When you quit, it becomes easier to quit every time. Every time. And it becomes more condemnation from the enemy when you quit. Yep. So you have to decide to see it through. See it through. You have to make a decision to see it through. It's one of the reasons that for our children, if they started an activity, unless there was a physical reason they could not complete it, we made them see it through. And many of you need to break up with this perpetual cycle of quitting, quitting on your obedience to God, quitting on your obedience to God because somebody talked about yep. you, quitting on your obedience to God because now it means that your money looking funny. Or quitting on God because somebody didn't support you the way you thought they were. Yes. God tell you to write a book. God tell you to do a seminar. God tell you to teach a class. And you don't get as many people to sign up or to buy the book or whatever that you thought they should. And then you end up quitting on God. One of the things we tell our kids, and we've told our kids all the time, running from it won't save you. You got to see it through. Because if you just run from everything, the enemy will just have you running around the rest of your life. At some point, you got to put your feet in the ground. You really do. At some point, you got to throw your shoulders back. At some point, you got to lift your head and you got to look at it forward and say, you know what? I ain't giving up. I ain't caving in. I ain't quitting. I'm sticking with God. And this is going to turn out the way God said. And this. This remind us of something we've already been taught. Yep. Doesn't this remind us of something? How do you have godly character? Baby, you got to tame your thoughts. You got to tame those thoughts. You have to tame your tongue. You have to tame your temperament and you have to tame your team. Absolutely. Do you know that if you go and look at scripture, that God tells Abraham to go to a place that I'm going to show you, right? But Abraham never actually hears God say, here's the promised land until he separates mm -hmm. from Lot. Many times you're trying to take people God never told you to take. Yep. You're trying to make those people support you. You're trying to keep those people in your life. You're trying to make those people be your best friends. The reality of it is, is that one of the biggest things that happened for us, and everybody may not like this, but this, but we say this all the time. Had we gotten married and stayed with e around either one of our families, yeah. we would have been divorced. Yeah, yeah. We, we, we had, had to, to see something different. We had to go to a land that we did not know. And then it allows us to be light to our family and get away from normalizing what was normal in our families regarding marriage. Yeah. Yeah. And so you got to tame that tongue. You got to tame those thoughts. You got to tame your temperament, but you have to tame your team. And I just keep hearing this song, which lets you know I used to be a clubber. Who you with? Yeah. Like who you, who you with? with? Yeah. You need to know who you with. Are they people that in a pressure situation, they're going to pray for you and they're going to tell you to stick with God? Or are they the kind of people who go say, oh, Strick, I know why you would do that. That's cool. I understand. We all human. It doesn't matter because this, and this is how the world says it. The world says it like this. The sum total of your life can be determined by the five people you spend the My most goodness. time with. Now, think about that. Now, that's what the world says. Think, think about that. 
Think about that. And that's why you have to understand that some, and I know this is cliche, but it's true. There are some people who are in your life for a reason. There are some people in your life for a season and there are others who are in your life for a lifetime. You will be, you will make a bad mistake keeping a reason person around for a lifetime. Come on. You have to be able to discern, you know, the, the, the timing of who is on your team. And, 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 and I hate to say it this way, but when some people need to be traded <laughs> and sometimes you're the one being traded and you have to be okay with that. You have to be okay that sometimes you're the person who's going to get traded off of somebody else's team because maybe you were just there for a reason. Maybe you were just there for a season. And it doesn't mean that we throw people away, but we have to be able to understand that when it comes to following God, we can't always take everybody with us everywhere we go. Especially if they don't want to go. Especially if they don't want to go. Peter said it like this when he was in front of the court. He said, it is better that we obey God than man. Mm-hmm. It is it is better. So if I have to choose between doing what's normal in my family, normal in my company, in my friend group or obeying God, I'm going to pick obeying yep. God. Yep. Tell your neighbor, say, I will choose obeying God. I will choose. I will God. choose obeying God. Mm-hmm. So then we talked about moral courage. Mm-hmm. Now, in order to do a you got to have some moral courage. You, do. you must have some moral mm-hmm. courage. The definition of moral courage, it says that moral courage is considered to be the pinnacle of ethical behavior. Mm -hmm. It requires a steadfast commitment to fundamental ethical principles despite potential risks such as threats to reputation, Mm -hmm. shame, emotional anxiety, isolation from colleagues, and retaliation and loss of employment. I we I can remember years ago when we first started the ministry, we had this Bible study one time and we were having this discussion because we've always been willing to discuss the word. And somebody was saying, we have situational ethics. We don't have situational don't. ethics. You, you, Believers you should. should not have should situational, not have situational ethics. ethics. That's right. If you go to the bank and they give you $100 over, you don't call it a blessing. You circle back around, you take the money back because you understand that someone is going to pay for that. If you walk out of the store and you realize they didn't charge you for an item, if if, if you you just you can't have situational ethics. But and if, people used to think we were like nitpicking, but that's like when we had opportunity when we when we when we understood this and we had opportunities to get like free movies and free cable and all that stuff. We didn't do it. We was like, we'd rather pay and have fewer channels than to have all the channels and not pay because it was a matter of displaying more courage and to to be ethical. And do you know what I was amazed by? I was amazed by the number of believers who did not understand and didn't see a problem with it, who did not understand, who did not have a conviction, who did not have a problem, who somehow in their mind thought, follow me, guys. A movie has not come out in the movie theater, yep. but somehow the movie, the move, the people who own the movies are giving permission for somebody to stream the movies for $29.99 or even for free. For Guys, for y'all free. know that. Y'all know that right. don't make sense. Right. And then what people don't understand is that they so into theft and wonder why they experience that. Mm-hmm. So you steal from other people because you go, Come on now. oh, that's, Come on. Um, what's Come a movie on. company? What's Come a, um, Sony? So you, M- you, MGM? you steal from MGM 
you steal from Sony because you go, they're a multi-million dollar company. But at the same time, you're declaring that God is going to make you a millionaire. And then you wonder why people steal from you yeah. and you keep having these things Or you happen. wonder why the devil steal from why you. The devil you wonder what, you, you taking cable, but you wonder why your refrigerator always going out. You wonder why your washing machine don't work consistently. Your microwave don't work. Your kids' shoes always tear up faster. All of these things, and people think, oh, y'all just being too deep. No, all of these things you're sowing is what you're reaping. And so when we understood this concept, we was like, we'll go with five channels and pay for it before we get 105 channels and steal. Because that's actually what it was. It was stealing. It is stealing. And this is what people don't understand. The Bible says that. The Bible says God measures our capacity for promotion that's true in how we handle the little things, the little things. and how we handle another man's yep. things yep. and many people are expecting promotion but you do not manage other it's it's we have so many principles this is the about one this. thing that people get got, got so, so mad at us, us about right. but i'm like dude we're I, we're you, not <laughs> we're not going to a hotel and leaving it ragged no we're not dogging out a rental car no we're not doing any of that stuff because if the stuff was yours now if the stuff was yours would you want someone to treat it that way right would you want someone to treat it that way? And so you have to have some moral carriage, courage. You have to have moral courage in a world that lives on a slippery slope. Even if it has the potential of ruining what you call your reputation. Yes. Even if people will want to retaliate against you, even if it's going to cause you to be an outsider to the group. Because you talked about that time when you were in college and the group was doing something that you didn't want to be a part of. And when you left, they was like, oh, you think you're better than us. People will say that to you. They'll, they'll do whatever they can to bring you down to their level. You have to have a commitment to having high uh, character. And then you have to make the decision that you are courageous enough to live out this morality in such a way that's pleasing to God rather than pleasing to man. And I said this to, um, I think, Inner Circle the other day. I said this to them. I said, let me tell you about the enemy. The enemy doesn't like when people live righteously. Mm -mm. So he will use people close to you to try to get you to act like them so that the moral standard you upheld, they can disregard yes, it. Yeah, that's right. Did you hear what I said? That's right. So he will literally bring people into your life who will try to get you to drink, yep. who will try to get you to curse, who will try to get you to have an inappropriate relationship with somebody. They're encouraging you to do it because as you stand in righteousness, your life is a conviction to them without words. Yep. So they want you to lower the standard and be like them. And then what to they relieve do them is of the conviction. to relieve them of the conviction yep. because what they want to be able to say is that, well, if Ralph do it, it's okay. Yep. If Brenda does it, it's okay. Or at if, least if Ralph did it, he can't talk to me about right, doing it now. Well, that if Brenda too. did it, now if Brenda can't talk to me about it. If Sean did it, Sean better not say nothing to me about it now. That, 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 that's a part of it too. And so we have to be careful to understand that one of the snares of the enemy 
is to get us to dummy down Christ in us so there is no righteous standard, so that the standard is always this slippery slope, moving target based on how you yep. feel that nobody can live by. It's that whole that idea no that, that they, want, they want you to become, they want it to be common. They want you to be as, as common to sin as they are. They want that commonality between us. You know, we both drink, we both smoke a little bit, we both do this, we both do that. They want that commonality because when the commonality is there, there's no conviction. When commonality there is, there is no conviction. And so if you have ever been the person who lowered the standard to do that, you should just repent and say, I'm not going to do that. And I, one of the things I really admire about you that I really got to see in the pandemic um, is how many times somebody would come to you to complain about somebody else and you would force them to go back and walk the process yeah. that you didn't let people just come and poison you about other people. And part of having moral courage, some of y'all ain't gonna like this saints part of having moral courage is not bending your ear to gossip. Yep. Is not sitting up in conversations, listening to people say bad and ugly things about other people. And I'm not saying people can't come to you and ask you for advice, but allowing people to come and say bad and ugly things and then you not redirect it or handle it. You just become a garbage can for gossip. And I'm telling you that if you do that, you're going to lose moral courage yep. because you cannot have moral courage if you're always engaged in gossip. And, and, and if you and if you lack the development of moral courage, you're never going to be able to exhibit godly character. You're never going to be able to exhibit godly character. You know, right? one of the scriptures we read last week, I just want to look at it real quick. It was 1 Corinthians 16 and 13 mm. uh, in the Amplified. And it, it gives us a warning, right? It says, be alert. It says, and on your guard. Stand firm in your faith in God, respecting his precepts and keeping your doctrine sound. Act like mature men and be courageous and grow in strength. I love when he says, keep your stand firm in your faith in God, respecting his precepts and keeping your doctrine sound. In other words, when you got born again and you know the word of God says that fornication is wrong. Don't allow some other doctrine to come in and say, well, you know, this is 2022. Nope, nobody's getting married and not having sex before. You know, you got to test drive the car before you buy it. You know, all, all the things that, that come in. He says, no, keep your doctrine sound. Even though the, the, the uh, environment around you, uh, the, the community around you may be changing what they say is okay and not okay. It says, keep your doctrine sound. He says, and act like mature men or act like mature individuals and be courageous. And as you do that, keep growing in your strength. I love that. Keep growing in your strength because there are going to be more and more things you're going to have to stand up to and stand for righteousness. You know, as, as, our, as our society, I call it digresses. People call it progressing. As, as we, they say we become more progressive. As we become more, as we digress, uh, I believe, we're going to have to stand even more so against the idea that, well, this is okay. Well, this is acceptable. Well, this is acceptable. Well, this is acceptable, you know, because we can go back and look at our society until it was fickle because in the 1940s and 50s, even on television, they wouldn't even show a man and a woman who was married sleeping in the same bed. They had them twin beds with that little uh, nightstand between them. If you go back and look at all the TV shows from back then. And now, Lord, you see anything on television. I do mean anything. <laughs> you see, you can see anything. 
and 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 people don't realize that the Bible says Satan is the god of this world. Mm -hmm. He controls the airwaves and the purpose of him influencing TV, music, movies is that so we normalize his standards, not God. I heard Dr. Hillier said the enemy wants to move the needle. Yes. He wants to move the needle. In other words, if if this is north, he he wants to he wants to do that thing like this until until north is down this way. He wants to move that needle on what is right and wrong. But that's why the Bible says we got to have sound doctrine. We have to have sound doctrine. Yeah. I love that scripture. So then let's get into C. Yep. So then C says we have to operate with personal integrity. Mm -hmm. I am so personal, so <laughs> often disappointed in the number of believers who do not have personal integrity. Mm. You don't keep your word. Mm. You don't do what you say you're going to do. You don't work with excellence. You aren't honorable. You are two-faced. That is not Ooh. the real you. And someone needs to say to you, listen, it's a lack of personal integrity to be two-faced. It is. It is a lack of personal it integrity. It shows you lack moral courage. It shows you lack moral courage. And some of you, you know, I laugh sometimes because we've been up here a long time. And so people don't always know all the people we know. Mm -hmm. And we can't, we laugh at how many times somebody who is a partner of this ministry lives one way in front of us and lives another way with people that they don't know we know. And we'll be out somewhere and they'll be like, oh, Pastor, your girl cutting up. Who? Who? And it's like, you should never want that named among you. You should never want it named among you that you would go out on Dixon or you would go to Vegas and be a totally different person with no regard of representing God because you hanging with people. And let me tell you something, and I've told people this before. They're laughing with you, but you are losing all Yours, ability all, to witness all from them. And, and people, there are people, you got good words, yep. you hear from God, yep. but people don't care nothing about they what don't. you say. Because when you're with your friends, you curse like a sailor, you will do anything, you will say anything. And so they have no regard for God in you. You must have personal integrity. What is personal integrity? It is a solid mm. internal code. Internal. Internal. Say internal. internal. Everybody say internal. 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 It is a solid internal code that is built upon Christ's teaching, morals, and ethics. So not, not, not my own. Not my own. So personal integrity is not about what I deem as appropriate. It's what Christ deems as appropriate. It is what Christ deems as appropriate. It's his what morals, Christ deems. His ethics, his teaching. It's internal. Mm -hmm. So it is based on what Christ said, mm. not what I feel. Yes. Because some, you know, here's a good example. I, anybody who really knows me knows I love to dance. Mm. I love to dance. And if we go to a wedding, if we go to a party, man, I'm going to dance. But you have seen it time and time again. If there's a song that come on and I go, I can't. Yeah, I can't, I can't dance. To that. <laughs> right. I can't dance to that because I can't because that song violates my internal 
cold. And I'm just like, and I can remember when the Lord was training me early on and he would be like, you can go ahead and sit down. Mm. Then you go ahead and sit down. You have to pay attention to the moments when the Lord says to you, no, you can go ahead and sit this one out. No, you can go ahead and be quiet in this conversation. No, you can go ahead and excuse yourself from this because this is how personal integrity is built. But this is why a lot of people really don't have personal integrity. And it's not because they don't want to. It is because they value being liked by people more than they value respecting themselves. So what you're saying is they have no more courage. Well, yeah. Because that's what we just said. So, so yeah. because and you're exactly right. They they, they, they want to be liked. They want to so be liked. Bad. They want to be. They want to fit in. They want to be deemed as cool. They want to be deemed as as, as likable. And so as a result, they lack the moral courage to stand up and do what they're supposed to, despite the potential risk of threats to their reputation emotional anxiety isolation from colleagues retaliation and even loss of employment they don't want to be deemed as being on the outside and so then what they do is they say well if i gotta satisfy somebody i'm gonna satisfy these people rather than god oh guys don't that just sound now that's icky. what they say Doesn't i'm going sound... to satisfy these people rather than God. I like these people so much. I want these people to think I'm cool so much. I'm going to turn my people, back I'm on God. I'm going to turn my back on God to fit in, to be accepted, for somebody to say they took a picture with me, for somebody to say, oh, Sean, you're so cool. And for somebody to like my post or my IG. like my post, please be my friend. Now listen, we're not mocking anybody. What we're saying I'm is... I'm mocking the spirit. We're, 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 that's, what, that's what I'm saying. I'm okay. saying we're not mocking anybody. What we're mocking is this idea that the spirit realm wants to get you to the place where you would do that. That's what we're mocking, not people. So if you've done it, don't be like, oh, I can't stand and they're making fun of me. No, no, no. What we want you to do is to recognize, oh my goodness, if I've ever done that, that's not who I am. I'm acting outside of my kid. I'm lacked moral courage in that, in, in that instance. But you know what? Next time I'm going to get it right. Next time I'm going to get it right. Because if you, because an only way to exhibit this personal integrity is you have to have some more courage and you need more courage in order to exhibit godly character. See how they're building on each other? No, they're just, I th it, it seems like moral courage is really the, 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 the foundation of the whole thing because if even if you want these other things, if you don't have moral courage, you're always going to be slipping, right? You have to have a personal code for yourself. Think I'm about sorry, it. What? That's what no, I'm saying. Think about it. That's what happened with Peter. When Peter lacked moral courage to say he was a follower of Christ. Come on. They said, they said, do you know him? Peter was like, I mean, I don't know. Man, him. I don't know him. I don't know who that dude is. Now he's been walking with him all that time. But when the pressure came, do, do you know this Christ? Christ who? I don't know who you're talking about. But then we see Peter get an opportunity to get it right. And he comes back and he stands with boldness and declares that he knows Christ and who Christ is, right? Okay. So just because you miss it the first time don't mean you have to keep missing it. Go ahead. Yes, but I was going to say, but, but Peter also shows us that when you have a character issue in a way, you have to keep a guard because yep. first Peter denies Christ yep, three times. He, does. he gets filled with the Holy Ghost and then he doesn't deny Christ, right? right? 
But when Peter goes and eats with the Gentiles, yep. he eats with the Gentiles until the Jews shows yep. up and then he shades the Gentiles yep. and Paul has to call him out and say, come on, son, you he, can't he, live he, that way. He lacked moral courage because, when it came to those things. Because you have, so you have to understand that if you are a person who has a propensity to lack moral courage, if you are a person who has a propensity to bow to public pressure, that is a thing you will probably always have to guard yourself on or you will catch yourself slipping back and you won't even realize it. Trinika said something, and it reminds me, one of my, and I know this is, sounds crazy, but one of my favorite lines from a movie is from Frozen 2. And it's when the little troll, Aww. it's when the little troll is out there, and he's and he's talking to the to the sisters, and they're trying to figure out what to do. And literally, he says what Trinika just said right there: "Do the next right thing." And that's what we as believers have to do. Don't get so caught up into how you've missed it before, but when the opportunity presents itself, do the next right thing. And just keep doing the next right thing. And we give you the examples, not for condemnation, so you can recognize when you do yes. it. Yes. Because if you don't recognize and you when you do it, then you will continue to do it because you won't go, oh, I just, you won't recognize, mm. oh, I'm not feeling valued today, so I just posted this thing to mm -hmm. get attention. Right. Right. We we were talking about how um, a good friend of ours had something really big happen to them. They got celebrated in a really big way. And the friend says to you, I'm thinking about moving across the country because of the love the people showed me. And you were saying that's deception. Yeah. And it also go ahead. Do you no, want to no, no, I'm just I'm saying you're, you're exactly right. Go ahead. That you were saying, think of the deception to not love yourself to not have encountered the love of God so that when in just a moment of being celebrated, you are willing to uproot your entire life, hoping that you can find that every day. Yeah. And, and you, that's why you have to have personal integrity because when you have personal integrity, so many people, because when they're looking at this thing of wanting validation, they give up their rules about sexual encounters. Mm -hmm. They give up their rules about whether they drink or how they drink. They give up their rules about how they work and whether they work with excellence. And it's because they have not developed this code, this solid internal code built on Christ. Say, Holy Spirit, develop my code. Mm -hmm. Holy Spirit, develop my code. Um, Proverbs 11 and, 30, 11 and 3 says, the integrity and moral courage of the upright will guide them. There you go. But the crookedness of the treacherous will destroy them. Mm. So integrity and moral courage is going to lead me the right way. But if I if I forsake moral courage and, and personal integrity, I'm going to end up being destroyed. And the two foundational characteristics of integrity are honesty and trustworthiness. Mm. Can and, and I'm not talking about people. Can God count on you to be the same in every situation? Mm. That should be the goal we're looking at. Can God count on you to be the same in every situation? So honesty, our honesty should be deeply rooted in Christ, not our opinions, the times of the culture and trustworthiness. We should be known. We should be known for speaking the truth in love and operating in truth, 
even when others aren't. Even when others aren't. Even when others are We should aren't. be known. And you know, and that's, again, that goes back to moral courage. Because speaking truth sometimes can put you on the outskirts of uh, certain friend groups, you know, or, or, or make you unpopular among certain uh, groups of people within a certain setting or organization that you may happen to be in. But you have to be a person that people know that even if I don't like what he going or she going to say, they're not they're going to speak the truth. And they're going to speak their truth, being being their truth is God's truth, you know, because if you're wishy-washy with that, then people be like, oh, you don't really believe what you say. Then. You don't even really believe what you say because you say one thing, but you do another thing. And that's the thing that the enemy wants us to look like. He wants us to appear like we don't really trust the words that we are, that we are espousing. Uh, and so that's why personal integrity is just so important. Uh, you talked about those two characteristics of honesty and trustworthiness. So then you go back and you think about this. Okay, what God wants me to do is exhibit godly character, right? He wants me to display more courage, and then he wants me to operate with personal integrity. Well, those th three things lead to the next thing, which is developing mature behavior. Mature behavior. I cannot produce an action that is right unless what's inside of me is right first. And I think a lot of times what, what we want people to do, sometimes even in church, we get people who are born again and we want them to automatically start acting right. Right. But you can't act right till you get some act right in you. Right. You don't act right. <laughs> you got to get some act right in you first. You got to get some act right in you. And so the Bible talks about developing this mature behavior. And so one of the things we talk about is that a mature Christian learns to surrender his rights so that God would be glorified. Now, listen, y'all. if y'all don't get nothing else out today, y'all ought to take this one right here. A mature, a mature Christian. Christian surrenders his rights that God will be glorified. So so I got the right to, to, to clap back on you for what you said to me. But I surrender the right to do that because in doing so, I make Christ look bad. So I want Christ to be glorified in this. So I close my mouth long enough to hear how Holy Spirit will want me to handle this situation. Not that I can't say something to retort what was said or to put things in correction, put things back in place. I, I, sometimes people think that that means being a doormat. Holy Spirit and God never called me to be a, a whipping post or a doormat for somebody. But he also didn't call me to just be out here wigging out saying everything I want to say to somebody to get somebody told. Right. And so yes. a mature Christian surrenders their right so that God can be glorified. People watch. I want everybody to put this in the comments. People watch how we handle conflict. Mm -hmm. People watch how we handle conflict. Mm -hmm. And I have had so many people who have said to me, because of how you handle this, I see God differently. Because of how you handle this, I see God differently. And for me, God really did restrain my ability to clap back. Mm. He, there would literally be times he would say, do not say oh, a yeah. word. Absolutely. Don't say a Still word. Does he me. would be like, act just like you don't see that post. Don't say a word. Because I'll be like, because because in my flesh, I'll be like, oh, we want to smoke today. Well, hold on, because I got smoke. Yeah, if you woke up and no, chose no. violence, I'd be No, I mean, if you chose violence, right. I got violence for you. And right. the Holy Spirit would be like, that's not what we're doing. Mm -hmm. That is not what we're doing. And I'll be honest with you. When I first used to have to do it, oh, my God, it used to just, it would bug me so bad. And he would say to me, is it more important to you 
to get them told or to please me? Mm. Is it more important to you to get them told or to please me? And in truth, in the beginning, it was more important to me to get them to told. Get them told right. But I grew up and was like, you learn to hate evil and love God. That's what I learned how to do. <laughs> and I learned how to say it is more important to me yeah. to honor you, even if they think they got out, mm -hmm. even if they think mm -hmm. they got out. And, I, and, and, and I'll be honest with you, I, when that happens to me, I have to go to Holy Spirit and say, I need you to help me because I did what you said because you told me to, but I feel like they got out on me and, and I feel some kind of way about that. And I just have to be honest with the Lord and the Lord will help you. He will help you so that doesn't become something that weighs you down. You don't have to just, 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 just handle that burden of, oh my gosh, I just keep letting people get out on me. The, the, the Lord will speak to you. Holy Spirit will speak to you and help you to see that what you think was getting out, they really didn't. They really didn't get out on you. And most of the time for me, he brings it back so that I see that had I responded the way I want to, how bad it would have been. How and, bad and, and it would have been. And then I'm just thankful that I was obedient. How bad it would have been. And, and people don't realize that sometimes you have ruined. Here's the thing. It takes much longer to build a reputation than to ruin it. Oh, you can take 20 years to build one. You can and take ruin 20 years in 20 seconds. And you can ruin your reputation in 20 That's seconds. Absolutely. And people always remember the bad thing you did over the hundred good things you did. It's just it's just human nature. It's the way it works. And so if you're gonna mature, you gotta make the decision. I surrender my right that God may be glorified. Mm -hmm. I may have to go in the bathroom and cry. I may have to get in my car and drive. I may have to punch a pillow. I may have to punch a <laughs> pillow. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to glorify God. Because in reality, guys, there is nothing that any, e even what we call persecution is not really persecution. No, we ain't been in no cross. No, no nobody's been, we've not been the cross. Mm -mm. Nobody's killing us mm -mm. over the gospel. Mm -mm. And we really have to learn how to be honorable to God, even when people are dishonorable to us. Oh, absolutely. That's absolutely. it. You got to learn. All right. So then, two, a mature Christian lives a life of purity so God will be glorified. Mm. People don't realize this. There are people, and, and, and they, they don't know they're being used by the enemy, I don't think, but there are people who the enemy literally uses to get you to sin against God. Mm -hmm. It's like, you know, sometimes a woman will be like, I'm going to be celibate till I'm married. And that man, his pursuit of her now becomes, to get her to fornicate so that he can say, see, your God ain't all of that. Yeah. And, and you have to live a life of purity. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 6, 18, flee. it says flee sexual immorality. Run away. Every sin that a man does is outside of the body. But he who commits sexual immorality sins against his own body. He says, flee it. That means if you're a married man, you're a married woman, and you see somebody that gives you a little tingly, it don't say just walk away. It say get the heck out of there. It says flee. It says run. It says do not overestimate your ability to handle this situation. Get 
out. Go. Get out. And how many people have gotten caught up in sexual sin because you thought you had more self-restraint than you did? And I think that's that's the reason that the enemy so pushes the pervasiveness of sexual sin because it is the one sin that causes us to sin against our own body. Against our own body. It's the one thing that causes us to sin against our own body when we partake in that kind of sin. And I think that's the reason why, you you know, people talk about sex sales. It's why you see a sexy woman uh, selling ice cream. What, is it, what does that have to do with anything? A sexy woman selling a computer or a TV or, or, or a man, a buff man with his shirt off selling household cleaning supplies. Like, what does that have to do with anything? But but they do it because it creates this image and this visual and this desire. And if we're not careful, those things become, uh, you know, sparks for us that when opportunities come, then then we, we lack the moral courage to stand against them. We lack the personal integrity and then we fall into those traps. And, 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 you know, and then and then we, and then we, you have things that some of us say are just totally off the mark and other people are trying to make them normal. Like this whole idea of 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 of, of Christian uh, swinging or Christian uh, truffles and all Christian of, swinging. Just, just think about y'all know that's the devil. It, but, but what happens is if you if, if, if the enemy can get somebody to do it and get someone else to co-sign it and get enough people to say it's okay now again what is he doing he's moving that needle and again what is that that's a sexual sin why because it's the one sin that causes us to do what sin against our own body but those of us who are mature christians what we do is we we live a life of purity so that god can be glorified so my question to you is whether you're married or single is do you have proper boundaries in place yep do you have proper boundaries in place? One of my favorite stories about Jesse Duplan is before he got his plane, he said he was on this plane and this woman was trying to talk to him and he had told her nicely yep. to, that he was married and he was not interested and she kept on. He said he just yelled out on the plane, whore Babylon, leave me alone. <laughs> he was like, because he is not getting yep. caught up. And people may go that so extreme. But you ought to have an extreme response to living righteous. Mm-hmm. You ought to tell your neighbor, you ought to have an extreme response to that. living righteous. Amen. You ought to be, you ought to have an extreme response to living righteous. If somebody, and, and you know, and, and somebody's in the comments, they're going Christian swing. And a lot of people don't know about this stuff. But one time we did this whole series on sex. Yep. And the stuff we, well, the stuff I found out, you were not as shocked. I was stunned by the number of things that people put Christian on. Yeah. I was, I was like, there is no way in the world that people can think that this is godly. But we have people. But they do. But And that's the sad they're part. They're so deceived. They're so deceived. They do, though. They're so deceived. You ought to have an extreme response to living righteous. And let me tell you something. You are, I would rather a man think that I was being offensive to him than to do something that injures you. Mm-hmm. And that's how we ought to have in our relationship. Yep. And, and, and a lot of times you have to grow up into that because you don't know that because that's not how your family was raised. That's the I, what you saw your uncles and your aunties and your mama and your daddy doing. But you got to have an extreme response to living righteous. Yeah. And then the next thing we talked about or we were talking about is that a mature Christian knows that God can be glorified in all that you do. 
So whether whether I'm at the grocery store, whether I'm on a men's trip, whether I'm at church, whether I'm at work, it doesn't matter. God can be glorified in everything that I'm doing. I don't have to compartmentalize God to just certain areas of my life. God can flow through everything that I do. In fact, 1 Corinthians 7 and 20 says it like this. Let each one remain in the same calling in which he was called. In other words, a mature Christian allows God to flow everywhere he or she is. So whatever God's called me to, God called me to play with my kids today in some in some way, kickball with my kids. I can be glorifying God playing kickball with my kids. How? By displaying the right kind of character, showing what it's like when you win and when you lose, displaying godly character, sportsmanship. There's so many things in our life that everything we do, God can be a part of that if we allow him to. I was just thinking of such a funny story. What's that? I was thinking about how you used to be such a bad winner. I did. You used I used to, to be a bad winner. But you could tell your own story <laughs> about how you used to be a bad loser. You used to be a few. I was a bad winner. You was a bad loser. We were bad together playing games. <laughs> <laughs> so tell your Baby, own story. Baby, don't let nobody tell no story about Tell you your know, own uh... story. <laughs> But praise God, we've grown and matured. Now we've we grown and matured. Now I win, and I say good job. You lose, and you say good job. Or you win, and Wait, I say I'm, good job. I'm, just, I'm saying either way. And we say good job to each other now. Now we don't turn the ta Monopoly table over no more. <laughs> While we're telling four. stories. Number four. Number four. A mature Christian shows respect to their brothers and sisters in Christ that glorifies God. Mm -hmm. Ephesians 4 and 32, it says, be kind. Be kind. Be kind, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. Mm -hmm. And you know what I think is so sad for us is that you will literally have people in church who won't speak to each other. Oh, ain't that something? You will have people in church who are literally won't sit by each other, who won't sit by each other, who won't. I mean, and and people in the body of Christ, we we the prayer team and I were talking about this last night. People in the body of Christ who want to believe bad about each other, mm -hmm. even though the Bible says love believes the best, you want to believe bad about other people. And I was saying, I was thinking about this because people were laughing because I, I opened, I reopened my healing book for pre-sale, right? And I kept saying to them, the, the book will not ship before October 20th. The book will not ship before October 20th because in my previous two books, I have had people who, even though I said it was a pre-sale, so quickly assumed I was trying to steal their money. Like literally it says it's not going to ship until this time. And then it'll be like three days later. Um, I haven't received my book and I'm just trying to make sure that y'all not trying to get away with my money. And I'm like, guys, you should not be so quick to believe evil about each other. We should believe the best about each other. And reading is fundamental. I knew. But, and reading is fundamental. <laughs> reading is fundamental. But you can't even read clearly because your fundamental premise is that somebody's trying to somebody's get out, out on you. you. Yeah. Somebody is out to get you. So you overlook that completely. Right. Yep. So we got to show respect to each other. Tell your neighbor, say respect each other. Respect and believe the best. About believe each the other. best about each other. And well, forgive, just like you don't want somebody to forgive you when you make a mistake. And as we do life with people, 
we're going to injure them at some point because we're human, not because we're trying to, but because we're human. And so when people injure you and they, and they legitimately say they're sorry, you got to be a person who lets that go and say, OK, I forgive you in the same way that you want Christ to forgive you when you ask. And when somebody's caught up, part of loving and honoring people is that when somebody is caught up, that you're not the one out there spreading the gossip. Yeah, that's right. You're the that's one right. praying for right. them to turn right. around. Right. That if you see somebody caught up, you shouldn't be like, ooh, let me get on the phone mm -hmm. and tell 15 people and in the don't, church. And don't try to do it in under the guise of prayer. Because you, you, well, you call 15 people, else. you know, we need to pay for pray for Pastor Ralph. You know, he done got caught up in such and such. And I just wanted to call you and, and so we could pray. And then you hang up the phone and call somebody. I just want to call you and tell you about Pastor Ralph because he done got caught up in so and so. And I want to pray. And now you don't have 15 different calls. And all you really done is try to spread the rumor around. You ain't really concerned about praying because if you was, you could have prayed without telling everybody else the business. Amen. And then lastly, number five, a mature Christian lives a life of discipline that glorifies God. A life of discipline. You must live a disciplined life. If you live an undisciplined life, everything that comes your way can throw your life into helter-skelter. 1 Corinthians 9.27 says, but I, dis I, dis I discipline my body and I bring it into subjection. At least when I have preached to other people, I myself should be a disqualified. One scripture says become a castaway. I do not want to be a person out here telling everybody the right thing to do and I myself not doing it. So I have to discipline my own life. And I'm going to challenge you that you need to discipline your life, not just where the gospel is concerned. You got to discipline your life in every area of your life. Discipline your life where your tongue is concerned, right? Discipline your life where your mind is concerned, what you put in your mind, what you put in your eye gate and your ear gate. Discipline yourself about what you put in your body. Discipline yourself. You know, you ain't got but one body. And if you if you destroy your body, you don't have an avenue to be in this earth realm anymore. And there are people who are dying earlier than they should because they're destroying their earth suit. Why? Because they're not disciplined where their eating is concerned. They're not disciplined by, 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 by doing the things like going to the doctor for regular checkups. They're not disciplined about doing the things they're supposed to do to take care of themselves. They're putting substances in their body that's not good for their body. They're smoking weed, drinking alcohol. And I know that there's people, you know, the Bible says don't get drunk. I get it. But if you're drinking a bottle of wine every day, even if you're not getting drunk, that's doing something to your body. Right. It's overworking your kidneys. It's, it's overworking everything that has to get that out of your system. And so when we talk about being disciplined, it's not just discipline in the word. Yes, discipline the word, but to everything that God's called us to. You know, the thing about that scripture that really stands out to me is that I can remember early on when we were in ministry and we saw a series of couples that were very well known for preaching marriage, mm -hmm. get divorced. Yep. And we were like, man. It's not enough to preach to other people about having a good and marriage. actually save other people's relationships. You save other people's relationships. And then lose yours in the and process. And lose your own. You have to be disciplined 
in how you treat your spouse. Yes. You have to be disciplined in your money. And, and saints have to stop seeing discipline as a curse word. Really, discipline is the thing that, that allows it, that stops the enemy from being able to toss you to and from and move you all over the place. Discipline says, I'm going to do what's right even when I don't feel like it. I'm going to do what's right even when I don't feel like it. Even when I don't feel like it, I'm going to do the next right thing even when I don't feel like it because I'm disciplined to do right. That's right. I discipline myself to do the right thing. So I don't really want to drive Sean to this target. That's but I'm right. Gonna do it but I'm going to do it. the right thing. That's to right. Do. I don't really want to cook no chicken, but I'm going to do it because strict like chicken. That's right. It's the, it's the, it's just, guys, it's we, we hope this makes sense to you. Do you have any comments? Listen, we want to tell you. Listen, if you, we hope you're in town and you're heading, we're, we're going to do healing school today. We're super, super excited about yep. that. But we want to tell you that this is a series, even though it was just two parts, we hope you'll listen to the two parts over and over again, because we're telling you that if you will, if you will develop these principles, there will be people that you will get to win to Jesus in a way you never could just knocking on their door saying, Absolutely. do you want to know Jesus? Absolutely. There will be people who will begin to come to you and they will say, Kim, I noticed that you live differently. Chris, I noticed that you live differently. Hey, Chris. Um, said, I noticed that you live differently. And I'm telling you that if you will begin to do that, you can become a witness to God everywhere. And yes, there may be some times that people misunderstand you. And there may be some times that people mock you. Who cares? The most important thing is that we glorify God with our lives. Absolutely. Absolutely. So listen, if you want to rededicate your life tonight, today, or you want to give your life to Jesus, you can just put it in the comments. I'm coming home. I'm coming home. Each way says her message for today is that we ought to live like something. That is our thing. Live like We something. ought to live like something. If you want to be a partner with Fellowship of Champions, you can be a partner of Fellowship of Champions, even if you have another local church. Um, you can you we can be your church, we can also be your partner, your ministry that you partner with. And so you can just click the link and say, Hey, I want to be a partner with you. We're so thankful we have partners from all over the world now, and we're just so excited about the impact that God is allowing us to make and the impact that you are making in your respective areas. Mm -hmm. And now it's our opportunity to give. And we know that something supernatural happens when we give. Amen. And some of you are even making the decision today to be disciplined in your giving. I am going to be a giver. That's an I'm, area going, of discipline. I'm going to establish myself as a giver. And so we asked, we have ways to give. You can use Givelify, Push Pay, Tidally, or Text to Give. And we ask that you only use PayPal if you are an international partner because <laughs> they cannot use those other things. Man, we are so incredibly thankful. We just want to shout you out. We want you to give yourselves a hand. We have the best partners in the world. Absolutely. And we thank you um, because you are so gracious and you are so kind. Now, I want to remind you of this, and I know we don't have an announcement of this, that in October, it is going to be Minister Appreciation Month. Mm. And in October, you know that we celebrate all of the ministers here. We celebrate we, we celebrate Minister Chandra, Pastor Ralph, Pastor Chris, um, and and yeah, and and the prayer team and the, Pastor and Nitra, Pastor Nitra mm -hmm. and we just celebrate everybody who is in ministry. So you're going to have some opportunities to to sow, to be a blessing, to send some gift cards. We're going to ask those of you who have two kids in children's church, 
get your kids to write all of the teachers a note and, and put it in the mail and send it to them and just let them know that they make a difference. Because the truth of it is, is that we could not do this without the support of our amazing ministerial team who is always ready to pray, to instruct, to guide, to counsel, and to help you. And so we want to make October a big celebration. We want to love on them real big, right? Amen. Now, we've got our regular announcements. This week, we're finishing up healing school Monday through Friday. We'll be having healing school. And then on Tuesday, we're going to have prayer. Something supernatural happens when we pray the word of God. Something supernatural happens when we pray. So 8 p.m. Central, we hope that you will join us. And then on Wednesday at 7 p.m., we have Ignite for our teens. I'm going to continue to encourage you. I know that we have some people here with sons. Get your sons plugged in to Ignite as well. It is right now. It's a lot of girls in it, but it's girls in it because the girls show up. Get your sons because here's what you don't want. You don't want your son to grow up and be a man who puts all the weight of spiritual growth on his wife. Or just has no spiritual cognizance of his own. Well, there we go. (laughs) That too. So that's at 7 p.m. Victory Zone is on demand. Want to encourage you to make sure that your kids are watching those videos and that you're talking to them about them. And I'm telling you, you watch some of those videos, it'll help you. It'll help you. It'll help you too because it's broke down in such Uh a simple way that you like, oh, yeah, I I get get that now. I get this. And then at 8 p.m. we have... um, Refresh. We have Refresh Bible Study this week. Pastor Edwin is going to be leading Refresh Bible Study. We're super excited about that. It's going to be an extension of what we're talking about here, too. I've got, I got some things I want to share that's going to be an extension of how to live the gospel. So it's going to be um, interesting. So come on back. Tune back in on Wednesday. And then on Friday morning, we have Champion Circle where all the champions gather. It's our second time to pray of the week because we know that something supernatural happens when we pray the word of God. And then next Sunday, Pastor Chris and Elder Valley will be back bringing us virtual worship. If you have not liked their page at Kristen Valley Worships, please do that today and we will be back. But for now, we're about to say goodbye because we get to go see all of our partners who have showed up in Northwest Arkansas and have praise and worship together and have healing school together. And we're super excited about it. And I want to encourage you that if you're in Northwest Arkansas, you can still make it. Get up and come to church because it is wonderful when the saints can join together. Yep. And our next, I was looking to see our next huddle is going to be October 30th. October 30th. October 30th. So if you if you couldn't make this one, you got you got over over a month. So October 30th is going to be our next huddle here at our FOC Fedville location. Listen, in a world where right now the church is being so apathetic about church, don't be the church. Yeah. Don't be like that. Don't be yeah. apathetic about church. Don't don't get so comfortable watching virtually that you don't say, man, I want to be in mm-hmm. the place when it's possible to be in the place. That's right. Even if that possibility requires a little discomfort yeah. on your part. Because we got people who are disciplined who are doing that. You know, yes. they're doing what they need to do to, to come. They say, I'm a partner and I'm going to be there. And, and, they're, and they're doing it. Now, if you can't do it, that's OK. We understand. But if, if you can and you don't, that's different. That's different. <laughs> So we love you and we'll see you next week. Have an amazing, amazing day. God bless you. God bless you guys.